0: Well, it's not a part of my planned remarks, but can I just say, I love our church. Everything about it, such, a, such an encouragement and a blessing and our summit service and in our celebration service, uh, the Lord has been good to us. And I want to welcome everyone, of course, to worship today, uh, those in celebration and summit, all of those at home uh, that are worshiping with us. Uh, I've... Uh, I've told people that I hardly go to a store in Nacogdoches or Lufkin uh, that somebody doesn't stop me and say, I watch your services uh, on television or online. Uh, Now, I have a sneaky suspicion it's because the preacher looks so odd (laughs) that he is easily recognizable. Uh, But I'll take it, and we're thankful that you're worshiping with us. I want to ask you today... Uh, If you'll stand in both rooms as we read Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through (laughs) 4. Ephesians chapter 6. And while we don't stand every week and we don't plan to stand every week, I want us occasionally just to to come to our feet and give special honor to the Word of God, the perfect, reliable, sufficient Word of God given to us in the Bible. So Ephesians chapter six, verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, do not stir up anger in your children, but bring them up, in the training and the instruction of the Lord, let me pray. Father, add your blessings to the Word of God that we've spoken and now we teach so that our lives will be encouraged so that we can better honor you day by day by day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, we learn from scripture that God has created only three institutions, only three organizations, if you will. Do you know what they are? Well, in Genesis chapter 2, we see the creation of the family. And then a little later, we see the creation of government. And then a little later in the Bible, in the New Testament, we see the creation, the institution of the church. These are God's three institutions, the organizations that he has designed. And all three of these are key to human flourishing. And if if there's a problem with any one of these, then the people will suffer profound consequences. You and I need a loving, gospel-focused, Bible-teaching church. It's critical for each of us. We need a strong government that protects life and liberty. That's important for each of us. And we need to be a part of a family that loves Christ, that nurtures, protects, and blesses each other with happiness and with joy. The truth is, if we have a B-plus church and a C-minus government and a B-minus family, then life will not be as rich and as sweet as it could be. Our kids will not bloom and blossom like we would want them to. And it'll be more difficult for us to live lives that honor the Lord. So what determines the quality of the government, the quality of the church, the quality of the family? Uh, Well, Alexander Hamilton said people get the kind of government they deserve. And I think he was probably right. History says that we get the kind of church that we create With our investment of time and resources and unselfish love. People who want a good church can have a good church. It's up to us. And then the quality of the family comes down, I believe, to just a few decisions made by a husband and a father. Made by a wife and a mother. And I want to talk about some of those decisions today. When Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus... Uh, we've been going through now for several months he gave 12 sentences to the family and it starts in Ephesians 5 22. it goes through where we read today Ephesians 6 4 12 sentences and we started a few weeks ago and we looked at a few of them and last week some more and today I want us to wrap this section up today I want to talk about the theology of the family specifically i want us to talk about how we can honor god in our families and how then god will honor us because we're in a rightly ordered family god has given us some designs for the family it starts in genesis 2 we find it throughout scripture and then we find uh great detail here in ephesians especially our verses today and that's the pattern the theology uh, that I want us to see. Now, the commands that we read, verses one through four, are very, very simple. Uh, basically, this honor your parents and bring your children up in the Lord. Now, we could just stop there and say the message is done, but I think if we will dig a little deeper, we can find some pure gold for all of us, whether we have children in the home or not. In these simple instructions Ephesians 6 1 through 4 so let me just jump in the theology of the family I want you to see three things about it we're going to begin with the barometer of authority and I'll tell you what I mean by barometer in just a moment but let's look back at verses 1 and 2 children obey your parents in the Lord because this is right honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise now there are two Imperatives here. There are two verbs in these commands that are very similar But we often make the mistake of thinking that they are the same But they're not they are distinct and we need to know what each of them means first of all It says that children are to obey their parents now What does obey mean well obey means just what you think it would mean children obey your parents? you notice it doesn't say obey your parents if you agree with them. It doesn't say, obey your parents if your parents are being reasonable. It doesn't say, obey your parents if your parents are being fair. It just says, obey your parents. Now, why should kids obey their parents? Why is this so important that it's a verse in scripture, obey your parents? Well, he tells us right here at the end of verse one. And I want you to see this, look back in your Bibles. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. That may not be a very satisfying answer, but that is the answer. I wonder, kids, if, if your parents have ever told you to do something and then you responded with why. Moms and dads, have your kids ever asked you why? And what is your reply? Because I said so. That's the only reason you need to know about. Well, this is God saying that. He said because this is right obey your parents because I said so because God said so obey your parents now somebody will say well what if my parents are dummies what if they're what if they're not being fair what if they don't really understand well kids you may be right they may be unfair Confused ill-informed dummies. They probably are But parenting I'll say from experience is much harder kids than you think it is and one day kids you will have the privilege when you have kids of not knowing anything about anything and they can (laughs) accuse you of that but right now, listen, kids, if your parents don't seem reasonable, if their instructions don't seem fair, that is above your pay grade. What I mean by that is that your parents will answer to the Lord for their parenting. You will answer for your obedience. And when you are obedient to your parents, you are being obedient To the Lord to the Lord now we're gonna come back to that in a moment but let's uh, let's look at the other imperative here the other command he says obey your parents in verse 1 but in verse 2 he says honor your father and mother now to obey and to honor he's really talking about two different things obey that's assigned to children in fact this is the only command in the Bible that's given specifically to children honor though listen Is for all of us all of us are commanded to honor our parents if your parents are alive listen you should honor them if your parents are deceased I'm going to tell you how in a moment or two but you should honor them now there's no expectation in scripture that adults obey their parents now many of us would live more successful lives if we did but Adults are not commanded to obey, but to always honor your parents There is no Lessening of the honor that's due to your parents simply because you are an adult So what does it mean to honor our parents? I'm an adult. My parents are older What does it mean for me as an adult with my own family and my own home and my own life? What does it mean for me to honor my parents? Well, I looked up that word honor and did a little deep dive on that, if you will, and the original word behind that is used in the Greek version of the Old Testament that, that Paul would have been familiar with in his day. And in that book, in the Old Testament, it is used of someone assessing the value of property. Like an appraiser today, we probably have an appraiser in the church or two maybe. And you go out and you assess the value of someone's home or some commercial property. Well, that's how the word is used in the Old Testament. Leviticus 27, 14, when a man consecrates his house as holy to the Lord, the priest will assess its value. And it's that same word, the word honor. The priest will honor its value. So, To honor someone means to assess their value and to say that they are valuable and that they have great worth. So for me to honor my parents is to recognize that they are people of value and of worth. It is to assess them and to say you are important. You are are worthy of respect, and I respect you because of who you are. It's to appraise them and their positive uh, value. Now, how should parents, how should adults, rather, uh, go about specifically honoring their parents? Well, I, I think one of the models that we see is the model of Christ. When Christ was on the cross, one of the things he did is he looked to his mom his mom was at the crucifixion can you imagine mom being at the crucifixion of a child but there was mary his mom in those days there wasn't some social welfare system to take care of those that were older uh, or those that um, uh, were underprivileged in some way under-resourced in some way and, and so uh, his mom could very Very well, we're assuming that his earthly father uh, had deceased, had died. And so his mom could have been homeless, maybe. And so even on the cross, Jesus reached out to John, the apostle, the disciple, and asked John to take care of his mom. What was Jesus doing? He was showing us, even as an adult, what it looks like to honor your parents. But I wanna give you some specifics. Number one, we can forgive them. There are way too many 30-somethings, or even 50-somethings, that are still mad because of the way their parents raised them. Uh, They're still mad because they believe that their parents failed in some way, and they have a chip on their shoulder because of it. I've already had more than one conversation in 2022 with people struggling because even as an adult, an older adult, they're angry at their parents. Listen, I'm sorry that your childhood wasn't perfect. Nobody's was perfect. And I don't mean to make light of what have sometimes been some pretty uh, severe circumstances, but no matter what your parents did or failed to do, It is incumbent upon you and me to find a way, as children of God, to find a way to honor our parents. And that may very well begin with us forgiving our parents for the shortcomings that that at least we believe uh, that they had as as they raised us. I think honoring your parents starts with forgiving your parents. And this won't apply to everybody who hears my voice today, but I'm telling you, it applies to a lot of people. If you're carrying a grudge against your parents, you're not honoring your parents. You don't have to agree with what they did. You don't have to say it's not a problem what they did, but it's time to forgive and to honor our parents, I think means that we forgive. Now, can I say something just pastorally? Just speak... Hopefully some wisdom to those of you who are under 45. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but uh, some of you under 45, do you know when kids, adult kids, usually forgive their parents for their parenting failures? Do you know when that usually happens? It usually happens when those adult kids have adult kids. Because listen, 45-year-olds, you won't maybe believe me, but I'm telling you the truth. When you have adult kids, you will see things way differently than you do now, and way differently than you thought you would see things. Something happens when you have adult kids. And so, I've seen this a thousand times, a hundred times, maybe. That kids will be adult adults who are kids we're all kids Will when their kids become adults finally Finally the fences are mended between the adult kids and their parents Because they just have a whole different outlook on life and a whole lot more grace and mercy uh, for the things that their parents did and the way they were raised. So, my counsel to those of you who are in your 30s and you have grade school children at home and you're mad at your parents don't waste another decade of disobedient living before you forgive them. You will forgive them now. Forgive them now. Honor your parents by forgiving them. Now, the next way we can honor our parents as adults is we simply speak well of them. We refuse to speak evil. Uh, we live in a time where people consider it a noble thing to air their grievances, and people consider it therapeutic to, uh, to air their dirty laundry. Uh, we think very little in our culture about saying negative things about those for whom the Bible says we should honor We say it about our government leaders, we say it about civic leaders more locally, we in some places say it about pastors and ministers, and we say it about our own parents. God has told us, commanded us to honor the people that he has placed in positions of honor. And for us to speak against those people in in hateful ways, for us to have a critical spirit against those people, listen, that doesn't just dishonor that person, it dishonors the Lord. And we should speak well of our parents. It is an important thing. Read Romans chapter 13 For us to honor those that God says to honor. And so we should refuse to speak evil of our parents. We should speak well of them when they're alive. And we should speak well of them when when they are no longer alive. We should speak well of them in front of our siblings, in front of our spouses, and in front of our children. We should speak well of our parents. Now the third way that adults should honor their parents is to seek their wisdom, to seek their wisdom. We honor our parents when we ask their advice, when we consult them through the twists and turns of life. You know, the Bible constantly associates youth with folly and age with wisdom. And when I was a, a young person, I thought that was foolishness because the smartest people I knew were all young people like me. Now, uh, with a little less hair, uh, in a few more years, uh, I recognize just how true the Bible is. In fact, the Bible says, Job 12, 12, and I could have given you a half dozen verses here, wisdom is found with the elderly, and understanding comes with long life. And your parents may not uh, know how to send an email, <laughs> But that doesn't mean that they don't have wisdom that you need. And even if you're not certain that they do, one of the ways you honor them is to seek their input and advice. Next, don't be too busy to care for them and give them the time and attention that they need. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. And nothing can replace giving your parents time. I know you're busy, I'm busy, I struggle with this. You can ask my wife. We have a conversation about this every week or two. When I just lament uh, the, the restriction of time and, and how hard it is to honor my parents with time. But listen, one day, one day, I'm going to wish I had done more than I have done so far. Does that make sense? The, I think that the issue of time right now is that I have a lot of things on my task list. There will be a day when the issue of time isn't gonna have anything to do with my task list. It's gonna have something to do with regret. We honor our parents with time. And then I added one this morning. Live a godly and responsible life. I wanna show you a picture I took at a restaurant in Tyler this week. Um, it was a bagel restaurant and when I was leaving and and picking up my trash to throw it away I saw this sign make your mother proud return your basket here Listen that could have come right out of the Bible, right? One of the ways And uh, I want my kids to hear this only one of them's here today. The others are moved off somewhere, I guess but um, One of the ways you honor your parents listen you just live a responsible, godly life. Love your spouse. Love your kids. Pay your bills. Stay out of jail. Don't move home. <laughs> live a godly and responsible life. Now, why is honoring our parents so important? It's one of the commandments, one of the ten Why would I say that it is a barometer? Well, the honor, how you honor your parents says something about your relationship with God. It is a barometer. You cannot honor the Lord and dishonor your parents at the same time. Biblically, biblically. And if you think you can defend it, you come see me. But you cannot... At the same time, live a life that honors the Lord, but dishonors your parents. When we submit to the authority of our parents, when we honor our parents, we are submitting to the authority of God, and we're honoring God. And I'm going to show you a verse uh, with that in just a moment. But I'll tell you when I learned this lesson, I think for the first time years ago, I was a youth pastor and we had a young lady in our church. I still remember her name. Her name was Cindy is Cindy and uh, Cindy had made a decision for Christ I think she was probably a 10th grader 11th grader. She had made a decision for Christ and it was one of those just 180 degree turns and Cindy was so uh, the way We Referred to it in those days. She was so on fire for Christ. She was reading her Bible every day she was uh, Uh, Reaching out with questions about deep spiritual truths that she had come across in in her Bible study. She was growing spiritually just at an amazing rate. She was sharing the gospel with her friends. Uh, She was one of our best leaders in our youth group. Servant leader. Uh, I just loved what the Lord was doing in Cindy's life. And so one day at church, her parents attended our church. Uh, I was... um, I was bragging about Cindy to her parents and I was telling her all the things that she was doing and all the ways I was just amazed at her spiritual maturity. And they, they gave me a funny look because I was telling them, but they, they nodded and they listened. But, but when I finished, they said, well, we've got some things to tell you about Cindy. They said, Cindy is just as disrespectful at home now as she has ever been. She doesn't do her chores. She talks back to us. She is very disrespectful to us. She makes our home life miserable. And immediately, I think for the first time, this truth clicked in me. You can do all the Bible reading you want to do. You can serve in all the ways you want to serve. You can sacrifice. You can give. You can sing. You can preach. But if you don't honor your parents you're not honoring God. And my youth ministry, my whole youth ministry changed right there. And I began to teach my teens that if you read the Bible every day and share the gospel with all your friends, but you are showing disrespect to your parents, then you are not a spiritual young man. You are not a spiritual young woman. Don't separate out honoring God and all the other parts or honoring your parents and all the other parts of the Christian life. Honoring your parents as a barometer in a real way of what you how you view the Lord. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. And so if we're not obeying, if we're not honoring, then we are we are displeasing the Lord. I'll tell you another story a little closer to home. And I didn't ask permission to share the story, but hopefully it's okay. Uh, when I was interviewing Tom Webster to be our worship pastor, I had a long list of questions. Where Tom is, a long list of questions. <laughs> but I showed those <laughs> questions. <laughs> I showed those questions to, to some pastor friends ahead of time, as uh, pastors do often. And one of my pastor friends asked me, uh, why do you have all of these questions uh, about Tom's relationship with his father? Uh, Tom's an old man like I am in his 50s. Uh, Why do you have all these questions about his relationship with his father who doesn't even live in the area? And here was my reply. I said, uh, Tom Webster is a very busy man with great responsibility. He supervises a large faculty and staff at the same time. For the last several years, he's been crisscrossing the state of Texas doing interim work all over the place. And so, I don't know any other way to measure his spirituality. I knew he was gifted and smart and friendly, and but I don't know any other way to measure his spirituality, his spiritual maturity than to find out if, number one, he loves his wife like Christ loved the church, and number two, that he honors his one living parent. And he did, and he does. But frankly, if he got those questions wrong, uh, he wouldn't be our worship pastor today. Because how you honor your parents, no matter how old you are, is a barometer for your spiritual Spiritual life. Well, let me take you to number two the duty of parents the duty of parents So if you look back at uh, verse 1 again children obey your parents in the Lord because this is right Uh, You see that there is a command there for parent for children obey But there's also a command implied for parents if children are to obey and their children Then parents are to teach Children to obey and listen moms and dads young moms and dads parents must demand that children obey a mom or dad Your role is that your children in your home will learn to honor and obey the God that they can't see by first learning to honor and obey the parents that they can see And if they don't learn to honor and obey the parents they can see, I'm telling you the chances that they will ever learn to honor and obey and respect the God who they cannot see are really, really small. Your home is a laboratory where kids are learning or not learning to follow the Lord. And if kids cannot submit to you, then they will not submit to the Lord. If they don't learn to submit to you when the um, stakes are small, then they will not submit to the Lord when the stakes are high. Parents, you are your kids' training wheels for learning to honor the Lord. And if you never hold them to account, if you refuse to discipline them, if you always let them claim some excuse for their disobedience, if you don't follow through with your threatened consequences, if you give in to their whining and their begging, you are training them to never honor and follow the Lord. Now, I hope this isn't getting too close to where you live, but let me tell you a made up story that's just sort of made up. Okay, you'll know what I mean in a moment. I saw a mom tell her little boy Johnny to do something. He refused. So mom threatened him and he refused. So then mom begins to count. One, Johnny doesn't respond. Two, Johnny doesn't respond. Three, now I want to freeze the story here for a moment. And I want us to first go to the least likely thing that would happen when mom says three. What is the least likely thing that would happen? Johnny obeys. And so if Johnny obeys, let's look at the best circumstance first. If Johnny obeys, first being told, then being threatened, and then after one, then after two, then after three, he finally obeys. What has Johnny just been taught Well, it's been told first of all when you're told to do something you don't have to do it because there are no consequences And then when you're threatened with consequences You still don't have to do it because those threats are not real and then when the authority gives you an ultimatum by saying one You still don't have to do it because there are at least two more stages before there are consequences And then when the authority gives second ultimatum You still don't have to do it because there is still at least one more escalation before consequences? And only when the authority says three, which is at the fifth level of escalation, then you have to obey. Now, that's the best possible circumstance, what you've taught your children. But let's go to the more realistic option. Mom says three, little Johnny does nothing. So at this point, you've already established with all of the meaningless escalations that the child can ultimately do whatever he or she wants to do without consequences. Tragically, little Johnny will now carry that view of authority right in to his relationship with God. See, when the Bible says children obey their parents, that's a command. But it's a command not just for children to obey, it's for parents To teach demand and expect children to obey now this takes some humility to say this I told the men at uh, our 7 a.m. prayer time this morning that 10 years ago I wish I could have been your pastor 10 years ago because I was a parenting expert then (laughs) and um, after three teenage girls I don't know as much about it as I thought I did Listen, I've made all the mistakes that a parent can make with all of this parenting is not easy I was reading one book this week by Tony Merida scholar a pastor He said parenting makes you desperate for God's help Some days I think success parenting success is keeping my children out of prison on other days I think success is keeping me out of prison (laughs) But Proverbs says that the parent who will not discipline his children ultimately hates his children. Proverbs 13, 24, the one who will not use the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. Diligently. So the first duty of parents is to teach their children to obey. Uh, But I want to go back and look at verse 4. There's another duty here of parents It says, fathers, uh, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. There is the negative. Uh, Don't stir up anger with your children. How does a person stir up anger? How do we exasperate, one Bible version says, exasperate our children? I don't wanna spend a lot of time on this, but I think most parents know, but I'll go through a list that I borrowed from from someone else. Uh, We can exasperate and anger our children if we discipline them inconsistently. Uh, we tell them that there are consequences, and then half the time there are, and half the time there are no consequences. Um, that, uh, that infuriates kids. How can they ever learn if the consequences are inconsistent? Uh, next, failing to express approval even at small accomplishments. Our kids are looking for our approval, and we ought to be looking for ways to give it to them. Failing to express our love to them. Or Pressuring them to pursue our goals and not their own as I read a moment ago Colossians 321 Fathers do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged But how do we balance discipline and encouragement? I want to discipline my kids and I want to encourage my kids That's a hard balance and 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 I don't have an easy answer for it I, I think probably the best answer is just you need to walk closely with the Lord So that you have the wisdom of the Lord and then ultimately just do what God does the Bible says that God has tender-hearted compassion for his children. Aren't you thankful for that? But God also, Hebrews chapter 12, disciplines his children. Verse 6 says, the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he punishes every son that he receives. Uh, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time but painful. Later on, however, it yields peaceful, the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We need to be like the Lord. We need to maximize our compassion, but we need to also, not neglect the discipline, and then the positive here: bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Instruct them in the ways of God. Uh, both, both of these things parents must do: help kids overcome sin, and secondly, help kids develop a thriving relationship with God. Now, listen, young moms and dads: if you do one of those without the other, you'll fail at both. Teach kids to avoid sin. Teach kids to have a thriving relationship with God. But I see this all the time. Some parents are so strict to try to eradicate all sin from their kids' lives, but they're not encouraging their kids to walk with the Lord. I'm telling you, that strictness will just lead to rebellion. But then I've seen parents that will, that will encourage their kids spiritually, but they don't have any discipline or strictness. Listen, you will confuse your kids about what it means to take up your cross and live for the Lord, that, that God is holy and, and demands our holiness. We must do both of those things. They're complementary. And then, one last thing here. I, I read this verse, verse four, in the New Living Translation, and I saw something that I didn't see before. I, I'll read it to you. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them, rather, bring them up in the dis- discipline and instruction. That comes from the Lord. Mom and dad, the Bible has got to be a part of, uh, of your parenting. And that's another sermon, uh, but it, it, we, we wouldn't be covering this passage if we didn't say it. Now, very quickly, let me share number three. In the theology of the family, number three, the promise of God. If you look back just briefly at verse two, the end of verse two and three, it says, which is the commandment, first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you you might have a long life in the land This promise confuses people This does not mean that if you mind your parents You'll live a long time This doesn't mean that if you hear a story of some child Tragically dying in a car accident That they didn't mind their parents If if you look back at uh, How this was used It's a reference to an Old Testament passage In fact it's repeated in the Old Testament uh, You see that it uh, While it had an, an individual application It also had a national application Saying that if they're if the, if the nation of Israel would be the kind of nation where uh, children honored their parents, then God would bless their nation. And I believe that's still true today. God wants to bless families. God wants to bless churches and communities where children honor their parents. There's a promise there. There's a promise there. Uh, I want to skip down to the... In my outline here to the last verse in Malachi, the last verse in the Old Testament, Malachi 4, 6, it says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Now, that's a specific verse with a very specific application, but I think there's a a greater lesson here. I do believe that in a sense... Our land is under a curse, uh, so to speak, because we have lost the honor that fathers have for their children, parents have for their children, and the honor that children have for their parents. And God will not bless where the family is not rightly ordered. Let Let me wrap this up. Uh, I have way more here to say than I can say today. That doesn't surprise you. Um, how, how can we, what are some ways, what are some ways, pastor, that we can honor the family? God instituted the family. It is the fabric of, of a country and of a church. If the families fail, the nation will fail. If the families fail, the church will fail. The family is so important. God's first institution, man and woman, he brought them together. One flesh, gave them children. God designed all of this because of the importance of the family, the nuclear family. A man and a woman and children and not everybody will be married and God says that it's a great thing if God has called you to singleness and not every couple that is married will have children and and God certainly will have blessings for that couple and, and, and certainly will have a purpose, a valuable purpose for them, but the fabric no question of the church of the nation is this family of uh, man, woman, and children. How do we honor? In a nation that has, that has uh, abandoned the biblical family, how can we honor the family in our culture? Let me just give you one, two, three, four, five, some really quick things. I'll only comment on the first one. Uh, number one, I'll comment on this one because you won't agree. Um, But number one, fill your quiver with children. Uh, That's that's from the Bible. Believe it or not, Psalm 127, 5, happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. Have some children. Now, I'm not critical of couples that don't have any children or couples that choose to only have one or or two children. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons for that. And most of those reasons are none of my business, frankly. But we live in a culture that more and more... For reasons I think that are largely uninformed and selfish, we're regarding children as a burden instead of as a blessing. The Bible says that children are a blessing and more children in many families or most more children are more of a blessing. Never make fun. I hear this from time to time. And uh, you've, maybe some of you, senior pastor, semi-loses cool if you've been around me when somebody else has said this. Uh, Never make fun of a family with many children. If there is a biblical pattern, that family is closer to it than yours. So you don't have to have many children. Uh, I have three. I mean, I could, we could... You know, There are all kinds of reasons that others don't know of. But uh, let's honor those people who fill their quiver full of them. And let's choose to be a people who celebrate children and not see them as a burden. Uh, so I won't comment on my others, but I'll list them. How can you honor the family? Adopt a child. They're children that don't have parents. God means for kids to have parents. And if we're the people of God and believe in the family, then we ought to find those kids and give them parents. Get involved in foster care. I got a call from one of our judges in town just a few months ago, and it was very emotional. and. And he said, "There are all these kids that that, that 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 so desperately need a family to love on them and take care of them, and they're in the worst situations. You can't imagine how many kids, and you can't imagine the heartache and the and the pain. And if we really believe in the family." Let us be the people somehow, and I don't know how our church can do this. And, and I'm thinking about that and praying about that, and, and others are as well. But let's be the people who are the solution to the problem. If we're going to honor the family, let's start by honoring those people up a family. Um, I said I wouldn't comment, didn't I? Stand against abortion. It is, it is awfully hypocritical. For us to take this stand against abortion and say that these young moms, uh, many of whom are single and in very difficult circumstances, that they ought to bear these babies and raise these babies if we're not willing to step up and, and do our part. Let us stand against abortion, not just with our rhetoric, but let us stand against abortion by... by Bringing bringing some resources and bringing our homes into the equation Make your family a family. Oh I don't know if I should say this make your family a family Not a boarding house for athletes now. I'm all for athletics and I think that's uh, wonderful and great, but if you so many families cease to be families when kids hit 12 or 6 now. I mean it's it's getting younger every year. And you're just a transportation system and a boarding house for athletes. Listen, your kid is not going to be a professional athlete. Just I'm telling you. They're not. But they are going to grow up and be a mom or a dad and they're going to be a part of a church and they're going to have to raise children and and they're going to have to take a stand for the things of God and they're going to have pressure and they're going to have depression and they're going to have heartache and they're going to have to know what what to do and how to hold tight to God. That's what we should be preparing them for. And if you can do that and raise an all-star athlete at the same time, more power to you. But let's make sure that first priority is first and second priority a second put your family ahead of your personal finances and consider if a one income family would be a better plan I'm not saying everybody has to be a one income family but but if we're gonna honor the family there ought to at least be you know a sharpened pencil on a piece of paper and we figure out if we are are sacrificing more than we want to sacrifice in the care of our family invest time and energy in your children Children's ministry and youth ministry. If we care about the family, listen, we will care about children's ministry and youth ministry. And we will be for spending more money there, and we will be for volunteering, and we will be, listen, I want to tell our children's ministry and youth ministry that they've got a blank check around here. Whatever you need to do, paint the sanctuary purple and polka dotted. I don't care if that'll reach more kids. Let's do it. We need to be invested. You see, some of you are breathing hard. (laughs) We need to be invested, if we believe in the family, we need to be invested in family ministry. Next, give to your church. Now, this might sound self-serving, but I'm telling you that churches are failing because churches across our nation, because churches aren't reaching young families. And churches aren't reaching young families, many of them, because they don't have the resources. Now, we have some resources, but if we wait until we don't have the resources to talk about this, then it will be too late. When resources get tied in a church, you know what happens most of the time? The expenses go toward the people who are giving the money. And the people that get squeezed out are the children and the youth. Does that make sense? If there's not much money, where are you going to spend it? Well, you're probably going to spend it on the people giving the money. The family that's uh, mom and dad are 35 years old. And they got four kids at home. They're not given much money. I'm telling you. And so churches will squeeze out their children and youth ministers, which is a death sentence for the church. How can we support the family? We give to the church now. All that I got three points, <laughs> but I'll go fast. Here's what we need to ask: How will I honor the Lord in my relationship with my parents and my children? The honor of the Lord is at stake. What are you gonna to do to honor the Lord in your relationship with your parents or children? Number two, how will my family honor the Lord by being rightly ordered? My family, rightly ordered. Number three, how can I support the honor of the family in our culture, and our community for the honor of the Lord? Father in heaven, thank you that we are in your family because of the sacrifice of Christ. Help us now to honor your word and honor the family and knowing the end result is that we honor you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we respond.